Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hey, I am so honored and humbled to be here um, before all of you to talk about our amazing God that we have. Um, boy, this place is alive. Absolutely amazing. Great worship. Um, before we get started, uh, can we bow our heads in prayer, please? So yes, um, I've known Matt for quite a while, and uh, that that's pretty cool because when I started um, at at the dealership that we worked at, we were going to church on Sundays, and that that was about the extent of of our faith. I'll give you a little bit of my uh, my history, and then we'll get into the word a little bit. So, um, it was about two thousand and two. My son Jacob was born. Um, my wife and I grew up in a Reformed church, not the same church, but we we grew up, and she was a little bit more advanced, if you will, in her faith. She went three times a week. Um, she really knew the Bible. I went on Sundays. I would open it up on Sundays, and pretty much throughout the week, I didn't embrace the Word. I really didn't study the Word. I, to be honest, I didn't know much about it. But I went to church on Sundays, and you know, sadly enough, in, in my eyes, that was good enough. That's That's what we did. Um, when we got married, I was 22 when we got married and my wife was 20 and we pretty much took our twenties off of church. We kind of checked out and, um, it was unfortunate. We had a lot of fun, you know, in, in, in the world's eyes, we we were doing a lot of fun things. Um, we had friends that we hung out with and we would go to bars and, and just do different things, you know, and it wasn't until the birth of our son that I asked Amy, Mother's Jake was born in, in November, and um, Mother's Day was coming up. First Mother's Day, I asked Amy, I said, Amy, what do you want for Mother's Day? Your first Mother's Day, you know, let's make it big, you know, because at that time, life was big, it was about us. And she says, you know what? I'd like to go back to church. I want to raise our son in the church. And it was kind of like the slap in the face. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. We, we grew up that way. Why wouldn't we bring our son up that way? So we did, and we had a church that was really close to us. It wasn't. It was very much like a Reformed church that we, we grew up in. Um, the pastor was awesome. He was really deep in the Word, and you could learn a lot if you knew what he was talking about. Um, my problem was I wasn't very deep in the world. I didn't, in the Word, I didn't know what he was talking about. My wife would be shaking her head, and I'd be shaking my head just so I <laughs> would fit in, you know? And, um, and it was... I realized that my pride was bigger than my faith. And that wasn't working. I wasn't getting what was happening on Sunday, so how could I possibly apply it to my life? It just didn't happen. Well, as as things changed, we um, we found a different church. We went church shopping, if you will. And if you've ever done that, that's um, that's an experience. You walk into a lot of buildings where you go, okay. <laughs> Yeah, um, thank you, you know, and we'll, we'll move on. And uh, we, we checked out a, a few churches, and honestly, the one we landed at, it was like a, a, a five iron from the house. It's literally around the corner. If you accelerate, you've got to get on the brakes because the church is right there. It's like an eighth of a mile from... We, we would drive by it every Sunday. Go to the other church. Well, you know, and the thing was, it was real contemporary. They had this really cool band, you know, and like really abandoned church. Are you kidding me? Who does a band in church? You know, did God have a band? You know, and that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, come on, you know, really? Is that what it's about? Well, so we went to it. And you know what? The worship set was very much like what we had, you know, and it was real contemporary. And I'm like, oh, okay, it's a little bit different than reading, singing out of a hymn book. And um, the pastor came on and he started to talk. 
And it was like just somebody grabbed my face and I just stopped. And I listened to every word that guy said. For the first time in my life, I was engaged in church. It was amazing. What a feeling. And it got done. Literally, it got done. And I sat there and I'm like, no, I want more. Keep going. What he said related. He made it relatable in such a way that I knew, honestly, I think I knew for the first time that God wanted something more from me. He wanted me differently than just on Sundays. So we came back, and every week it was the same thing. It was just amazing. The message was great. It was relatable. I could apply it. And I think Matt probably knew the difference because we were, we had known each other then, and um, things were changing. Well, as I came be engaged in that church, I became involved in that church. There was a children's ministry, and this was a, a fairly large church at the time. It was probably 900 people. So it's one of those churches it was easy to go into and you could just kind of slip in the back and, and not really have to say anything to anyone. You know, it's not like here where everybody knows everybody, which is awesome. Um, but it was, it was easy that way. And it was very come as you are. You know, if you wore a tie, you were probably going to get pointed at type, type place. Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but it's, that's just the kind of place it was. And as I became involved, I got to meet people. Right, I got to meet people that were a little bit deeper in their faith, and they kind of took my hand, if you will, and were pulling me up. Okay, they weren't they weren't pushing away, but they were pulling me up to where they were at. And I'm thinking, man, this is this is cool. I'm engaged. I'm feeling it. I'm learning. I want to learn more. I started reading the Bible. There was a, a, a study guide. I was like, man, this is cool. And I had questions. There was people I could ask. I wasn't I wasn't scared. For the first time at church, I was comfortable enough to ask questions. Not comfortable enough just to just sit down and, and do my thing and leave. But I wanted more. So there was a small group that they started. Now, this pastor was an exceptional speaker. He was great. His name was Joseph Vest. He's out in South Carolina now. He was awesome. So engaging and so he did a small group, and it was on a book base called Not a Fan, okay? Kyle Eidelman, he's a pastor at a mega church down in Louisville, Kentucky, wrote it. And um, I'm thinking, man, if he's doing a small group, I want in, okay? And you, small groups are normally 8, 12 people, right? So we show up at, at 6 o'clock on that Sunday. There's 45 people there for the small group. So again, it's kind of easy. You can just kind of blend in, you know? Because not everybody's going to get called on, and if you're not as is smart with the Bible as some of the other people. You just let them speak, you know. But the, the cool thing was, is with a small group or a, with a Bible study, you're studying the Word. You're, you're progressing, right? And this book, this Not a Fan book, I started reading it. And the cool thing was, there was a video that went with it that we would watch on Sundays. And it was based on the book, but a different character. It's just really well done. And... I was so engaged that every week I was like, yeah, I can do that. The challenge was put out before you that can you do this? Not a fan. Not a fan of Christ. Sounds weird, right? He doesn't want fans. He wants followers. Okay? My example, any Red Wings fans? Anyone follow the Red Wings? 
little bit? Steve Eiserman. People familiar with Steve Eiserman. Love Steve Eiserman. He was, um, I know everything about this dude. He was drafted, he was born in uh, 1965 in Cranbrook, um, British Columbia. He was drafted by the Red Wings in 83. He played for them for 23 years. He was captain for 20 years. Amazing, amazing guy. I knew everything about him. I was a huge fan of him, but I didn't know him, right? Um, I actually got to meet him one time, but I still didn't get to know him. You know, I met him. I got to talk to him for two minutes. It was just the coolest thing. As a fan, it was like, yes, I got to talk to my, to my hero. So the premise of not a fan is, you know, we can go through, and actually that first slide, next one. There we go. This is from the book from not a fan. So many fans mistakenly identify themselves as followers by using a cultural comparison. They look at the commitment level of others around them and feel like their relationship with Jesus is solid. Essentially, they grade their relationship with Jesus on a curve. And as long as they're more spiritual than the next guy, they figure everything's fine. True? Our comparisons that we draw often are to the people next to us. If somebody's having a bad day, you know, there's two ways you can look at it. You can go to them and say, can I help? Or you can say, well, I'm glad that's not me. You know, and maybe depending on the day where your mindset is, is how you respond to that. I think a lot of people know about Christ. They know the word really good. They know his parables. They know the stories of them. But do they really follow his word? Do you just hear it or do you follow it? Do you apply it, what you hear? Or do you just listen? Obviously, there's a difference, right? God calls us to be obedient to his word. Jesus um, and his followers, that, that next slide. When he's talking about Jesus, while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who's called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. Wow, you know, immediately they left. Now, go back, they knew about Jesus. They knew about Jesus. They knew what he was about. They wanted to be part of that. And they left everything on the spot and followed him. And you think, well, okay, well, that was then, but... Did they have families? Did they have a wife? Did they have a mortgage? I mean, I got a lot of stuff going on. How, how does that relate to me? Do I drop everything? Is that what I'm... I drop everything and go and follow him? Guys, maybe not in the sense of this, but yes, you follow him and there are going to be costs. The cost of following Christ, there is a cost. It can be a financial cost. It can be a personal cost. It can be a a family cost. It's going to cost you something to follow God. It just is. But the cool thing about that verse and the word, that word immediately, there wasn't a hesitation. There wasn't, well, I got to put my nets away. I got to clean the catch. No, they left it. They were called. They were obedient and it was immediate. Some of us want to follow God. I think, I think all of us desire to do it. I think we really do. I think we want to be there. But I think we want to do it on our terms. I think a lot of time, 
the premise is really good and we want to we want to love God. We want to get deeper with him. And then there's something in our life that pushes us away. There's something, if we're here and God's here and this line is like this, why do we zig and zag and zag and zag? Why is something so simple that we make it so complicated? The next slide, and this is interesting. Okay, and then he said to them, if anyone, if anyone become my follower, let them deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. Now, this passage is, is pretty substantial. It, if you look at it, you're, you're picking up a cross, and if we can think of the terms of when this was written, the cross, Christ died on the cross. They put him out in front of the city as a discouragement to people that would go against the government. It's like, if you do against the rulers, we will do this to you. So the cross isn't something that now that we put on, on a necklace and where, you know, it was, it was more than that. And then also, to pick up your cross daily. I was talking earlier. Um, and the cross, when it's daily, guys, that's something you consciously do. You wake up, you prepare yourself daily to follow God. It's not one time you take the cross up to the top of the hill and you go play and do your thing, okay? It's every day. It's a burden to carry that. You carry that, that yoke, if you will, that you're strapped to, and you, you, you push forward with it, and you, you proudly carry it because you are a Christian, you don't try to hide the cross. You carry it. It's up on your shoulder and you go with it and everybody can see what it's about. And you're not ashamed of it. It's what you do. It's your obedience to God. This is what he's calling you to do. You go do this. Go. Pick up your cross and go every day. And then the next slide. Speaking of on our own terms, the rich young ruler in Matthew 19 this rich guy goes up to Christ and he, he looks at all the good things. And, and probably he had no wants, no needs. He was rich. But he, had this, he wanted this one thing that Christ had. And he's like, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? This guy's so used to probably just throwing money at it. He can just throw some money at it and take care of it, right? But you go down and Jesus answered, go sell your possessions, give everything to the poor. They and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Man, could you imagine though if we could actually meet Christ? If he was here and you said, Jesus, what, what does it take? And he told you. And he told you, go, go sell everything. Give it to the poor. Come follow me. Yeah, hello. Yeah, right on. We're, we're doing it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in, Right? But this young man said, I've got, man, I've got the stuff. I like my stuff. I don't want to give it away. I worked hard for my stuff. What's stopping us from following God? What, what is it? That next slide. This is from the book again, not a fan. Followers are willing to not deny themselves and say, I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus over my family. I choose Jesus over my money. I choose Jesus over my career goals. I am... His completely. 
I choose him over getting drunk. I choose him over looking at porn. I choose Jesus over redecorating a house. I choose him over my freedom. I choose Jesus over what other people may think of me. This next, listen to this. A follower makes a decision every day to deny himself and choose Jesus, even if it costs everything. Now, I know we're talking about, are we all called to, to sell our houses? And maybe some people are. But, but guys, it, it could be so much simpler. You could be called to Africa. You could be crawled across the street to help your neighbor, okay? As a follower, we need to be submissive and listen to his word, what he's laying on our hearts, that we go and do it. Christianity... In the easiest sense, and as David Platt would say, it's radical. It takes a radical change to get there. Change has to happen. It has to happen. We have to engage. This list of things that we have, you hear in, in, in the Old Testament that talk about idols and People say, well, there's not really idols today. There's no big golden calf. But look at these things. An idol is something that's taking you away from Christ. Okay? It doesn't have to be something that you physically go and worship, but maybe it is something that you're putting ahead of him. This isn't a complete list, guys. This is just some of the things. But man, really? I got to put that ahead and, and that ahead? You know, Jesus comes before all this. But there's things I want to do. There's things I want. There's, there's stuff, right? The, the next slide, and the, and the first point of this today, guys, first point is get rid of the stuff that's keeping you from Jesus. That line, the squiggly lines, get rid of them. It's, it's, it's really this easy. We, we're the ones that are making the detours, okay? I will give you a little bit of my struggles, a little bit of my story. So, this small group, as it's going, that's not a fan, there's a lot of things that come up like this. What are you willing to sacrifice? What are you putting before God? And man, I love stuff. Matt knows, I'm a gadget guy. I am totally a gadget guy. The new iPhone, yeah, that's probably going to be me. Jake knows. we got more gadgets in the house than probably Best Buy. It's ridiculous, right? So, you know, it, it got to a point where it's like, no, God, I want to follow you. I was making this commitment. It was burning at me every Sunday. I knew what was coming, 6 o'clock on Sunday, that we would be asked, what do you think? Where are you? Where are you spiritually? Are you, are you climbing? Or are you going to stay where you're at? It's not really the answer, right? we got to keep climbing. So it finally came down, guys. At the time, it was myself, my wife Amy, and Jacob. There's three of us. Amy and I both worked. And honestly, it came down to the money. It came down to the money. And I said, Lord, I don't know how I can do on 10% less. Talking about tithing, right? The challenge was tithing. I'm like, I don't, I, I don't see how it's possible, Lord. I, I, I'm looking at the bills and I'm like, man, but, you know, how are we going to go out to eat and how are we going to do this stuff and, you know, how are we going to do a vacation? And, yeah, I don't, I don't, I just don't, I don't see it, Lord. I don't see the 10%. Well, 
we prayed about it. And we, it's something we always wanted to do, but we just never had the faith to step out into faith and do it. So we finally said, you know what, we're going to tithe. We're going to tithe. We wrote that first check, and we put it in the offering plate. And I was like, oh, man, that's, that was cool. That was cool. We finally did it, you know. It was, it was like you, you, you got to the peak of the mountain. You could start to see over, and it's like, yeah, this is, this is where I want to go. Second week comes along, we put the next check in, and, and uh, you know, we're looking on the bank statement, and these things aren't getting cashed. And I'm thinking, well, maybe it is that easy. Maybe it really isn't going to put you out. You know, they don't cash your checks if you tithe. I don't, I don't know what happens here. So the third week, we put it in, they don't cash it. So I got three checks out there, and I'm thinking, well, man, that's a lot of money. I might just take that back, you know, if they're not going to do it. So I, I called the, the pastor, and I said, hey, uh, Chip, what's going on? I said, you know, we're tithing. We're putting our checks in. And he goes, yeah, um, yeah, I want to talk to you guys about that. I'm like, well, what's going on? He says, yeah, those three checks came back. I'm like, what? Yeah, the account was closed. I'm like, huh? So the Red Wings thing, right? Love the Red Wings. We had, there used to be a bank called Independent Bank. I don't think they're around anymore. And they had some nice Red Wing checks made up, right? Well, now we have Fifth Third. And we have nice Red Wing checks. Just back then we did. Now, now they've got Bible verses because we're in a different place. So, <laughs> so we had the Red Wing checks from Independent, and we were writing them out of that, not realizing that that account had been closed for 10 years. I don't even know why we still have the checks. So here we are doing the right thing, right? And they're getting dinged, what, probably 35 bucks a week? You know, so now we're tithing, but we're costing the church money. Yeah, you don't know the story, do you? <laughs> Jake's looking at me like, seriously, Dad? Um, but so and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is so embarrassing. You know, so we wrote it out of the right account and, and did it. But, you know, that it's, it's kind of, a, it's not really a funny story. It's kind of sad. But, I mean, it, what a story. You finally get to where you think you're going to be and, you're, and you're, you're still kind of doing it wrong. But anyways, we took that last step, and, and from there we were kind of like, all in, God. What, what is it for us? Okay? And, and what I found out through all of this is you can't kind of follow God. It's like you can't kind of have these lights on. God isn't a, there's not a dimmer switch with your faith. You can't kind of turn it down and turn it back up. It's either off or it's on, right? We're either dark or we're in the light, so to speak. And... You know, as you go through, and you're going to have rocky periods. I mean, not every, as a follower, everything's not going to be perfect. You're going to have days where you fail, and these where you're going to, days you're going to get on your knees and pray to God that, hey, forgive me, I have really screwed up. And that's, that's part of it. But the thing is, guys, you want to keep climbing. You want to keep that light on. So everybody knows John 3.16, right? There's another 3.16 that's pretty substantial in the Bible. I hope, I hope I got the slides in the right order. Next one. No, I didn't. How about the... How about the uh, there it is. There it is. So, Revelations um, 3.16, but 15 through 16, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Pretty substantial, right? Lukewarm. 
We're kind of, kind of. That's not what we're called to be. As, as, as we're called to follow Christ, we've got to be hot. We've got to be on fire for him. All right. So that brings us to the, to the next slide. Our second point is going to be, hey, I got it. Um, second point, we're either all in or we're all out for God. Guys, what we're called as we read the Bible, it never said it will be easy, okay? There's not a, a scripture that says, come to church on Sunday and feel good about yourself. Christ was never comfortable. I don't, I don't see a point in his life as a homeless man that went to the disease, the poor, the people that, that others wouldn't even look at. I wouldn't say he led a comfortable life. And I don't think that was his purpose either. But if we're going to follow him, how should we be different than that? Should our paths be different than him? If he went there, why can't we go there? If he went to the poor, why can't we reach out to the poor? Those in need, why can't we reach those in need? It's, it's kind of his example, guys. It, it should be our roadmap and how we're doing it. Who are we reaching out to? I was saying earlier, you know, there's, there's some things when you look at it, material things and it'd be boy it'd be really nice if i could just you know the the rims on the car are kind of eh, you know it'd be nice to get some new rims and maybe some new tires on it yet you look just down the road and you see somebody who has a flat tire and three bald ones maybe maybe your your tires that are good now that don't really need to be replaced maybe you can take that and go help somebody out what what is our focus on i Guys, if we open our eyes to what we're called to, as we look down the road, I was saying just on the way down, there, there was this house and there's a window, I would assume for a bedroom, had a board in front of it and you could see the blanket wrapped around it. And I'm thinking, man, it's 26 degrees out. How cold is that house today? How cold is that room? Who's in that room? You know, I, want, I, I want to stop and say, can I get you a window? Can we help you out with this? Are we looking for opportunities or are we just driving? Or do we have the tunnel vision or are we looking out? It's bigger than us. It's bigger than Sunday morning, okay? It's every day. It's a Sunday through Sunday. We need to go where God leads us. The next... The next slide. I read, I read something earlier this week and in, in this, um, this verse came up and it was about Tom, Tom Selleck, okay? And, and I didn't realize this. I mean, you think Hollywood, everybody's just kind of, you know, checked out and they don't have much spirituality. But he actually used this verse in an interview and I was like, man, that is pretty cool. That is pretty cool because he was talking about after Magnum P.I. how he just stepped away from it because God called him to have a family. And he knew he couldn't really intertwine the two, so he just stopped. If you notice, he was off the grid, you know, for a long time. And then he came back, but he said, the heart of a man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. Yeah, that's, that's pretty strong. When we know where we want to go, we have to seek God to get us there. All right? And it's only through him that we can. When we're obedient to doing what he's called and we listen to him, 
He will set forth the path for us. The next slide is from, from David Platt. And he says, Jesus has not given us options to consider, but has given us commands to obey. And I was reading another thing. David Platt's just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And he says, you know, the, the problem is, is we take Jesus and we try to conform him to look like us. Rather than us being made in God's image, we try to bottle him into society's image and call it good enough. We try to make it easy for ourselves so we can justify, right? But no, we don't have options. We have commands to follow. So what we're called to do, we should do it well. And this brings us up to the third point. God is deserving of our best all the time. God has always loved us. You know, if you, if you go to creation and Adam and Eve in the fall and they hide, they hear God coming, they're in the garden, they hide. And he says, where are you? Like he doesn't know, right? And they said, well, we're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Well, because we're naked. Well, who told you you're naked, you know? You know, they're ashamed. All of a sudden they sinned and they looked and they're like, oh, goodness, you know, we're naked. God, the, the God of everything, who's created everything, who put stars everywhere, pushed the mountains where they're at. The God who made us, he goes to them. They have sinned against them. The one thing, the one thing they, they weren't supposed to do, right? Go. Go. Do everything, but don't, don't touch the fruit on the tree, right? They sin against him. They're naked. What's, what's the next thing? Anybody? The next thing he does? He gives them clothes. He makes them clothes. Now I'm thinking, if I was God, I'd be like, knuckleheads, I told you not to do it. I'll make two more, right? He could do it. He could do it. I mean, he's God. But no, he loves us. He loves us and he's, okay, come on, let me give you clothes. And you go through the Old Testament and there's so many things. I mean, in the, in the, in the wrath of the world, of Noah, when the world's falling apart, he tells Noah, to Build this ark, and people are thinking, dude, what are you doing? And the flood comes and he saves Noah and his family. And and you you look in, in um you look through the history of man and how we have failed God, right? And yet his stuff his, his love still prevails for us. The last book of the of the Bible is, is um is Micah. And and it, it, I would encourage you to turn to it because at some point today, just read chapter one. It is it's it's amazing because at at this point, um, God's people are like, yeah, the Savior's coming. Yeah, you know, there's no sense of urgency in their faith. It may be like today, we know Christ is coming. Are we ready? What if what if you can't? What if I told you at one o'clock today he's coming? I think you'd be getting some stuff squared away pretty quick, right? Be making right, falling to your knees and asking for forgiveness. But we didn't know. And back then, they, they didn't know. And, and he's talking to the priests and the leaders of the churches. And in 10, he says, Oh, that one of you would shut the temple doors so that you would be, so that you would not, so that you would not light useless fires at my altar. And what he's talking about, they, they, back then, the, the tithing would be 
would be their, their best ram they would bring for a burnt offering. Or the first 10% of the, of the crops, they would, they would burn it to God, right? And it would, be, it would be the best 10%. Well, now he's saying, cursed is the cheat who has an acceptable male in his flock and vows to give it, but then sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord Almighty, and my name is to be feared among the nations. And if you read that, basically the priests, they're just bringing, hey, you know, that, that three-legged lamb, let's bring that. We're, that's no use to us. So let's just offer that to God. And God's like, no, you don't know who I am. I deserve your best. Knock it off. He's basically telling you, stop. And if you can't do it, with somebody shut the doors. Let's just, let's just not do it. If we can't do it right, let's just not do it. I want your best. I deserve your best. My name is to be feared among the nations. Then we go to the New Testament, and because of God's love and he wants us to be with him, Jesus comes. God still loves. His love is constant for us. Even in our shortcomings, his love is constant. Even though our sin nature has created the that the gap between us, we can't get to heaven on our own. Christ comes in and bridges. As a priest, he bridges. He's the bridge between us and God and to heaven. As a follower, guys, there's a lot to it, right? But let me tell you this. As people that are followers and we see those that aren't, Let's pull them up. And those that are followers, let's bond together, okay, and support each other. Christianity, our Christianity is not something we just are and we don't share and don't do anything about, right? Did everybody get a seed this morning? Okay. So on the drive up to Esperia, lots of farmland, right? Lots of farmland. So I got a story, I'm going to end with this, about three farmers, all right. Willard is a farmer. He's got 500 acres. All these guys, 500 acres. Same 500 acres. Okay. He's a farmer, and you look out in his field, and it's kind of a mess. Today, you could go by and you could see the water kind of frozen in it, right? And he never gets a very good yield out of a big park because there's a big dip there. But you know what? He's okay with that. He just works around it. He just works around it. It's okay. Alan has the same problem, but you know what? He's going to do something about it. That low spot, he's going to knock it down. He's going to preserve the topsoil so he can plan on it. He's got good intentions. He's going to fix this problem, right? He'll get to it. Now, Cliff, Cliff has 500 acres, and you look at it, and it is spot on. It's got a little bit of a crown to it. The water runoff is just perfect. It's all set. He is ready, almost ready, to plant crops this year because he has prepared it. He has prepared this field beautifully he gets the highest yield out of every farmer around people go to him and say what is your secret it's ready it's prepared right so willard with his kind of misfit field and the broken down tractor in the back back part of it you know he's a farmer that's good enough he does what he thinks he can do Alan's a little bit better. He knows he should make improvements, right? I should probably fix that field. I could, I could do better. 
you know, if I, if I filled in the spots, I could, I could get more of a harvest, you know, because honestly, they're all doing about the same amount of work. And then you look at Cliff, and Cliff has got it dialed in. Cliff has got it dialed in. Anything he throws on the ground, it grows, it prospers, right? That popcorn seed that you have, what field would you put it into? Where are you going to plant it? I mean, we could throw it on Willard's 500 acres and hopefully it takes. Don't get it in the water because it's not going to work. Alan's promise, he, he's, he really wants, he, he wants you to plant it there because, man, he thinks it's going to work. He's hopeful. He's hopeful. But Cliff will pretty much tell you, yeah, give me the seed, I'll plant it. It's going to grow like crazy. It's going to grow like crazy. Prepare ourselves, our Christianity, our faith, to be like Cliff. Preparation that we have for the seeds that we plant are vital in the outcome. In short, don't waste your time pretending to feel good that, you know what, I am. I go to church on Sunday. No, be Cliff that's working it. He's getting it dialed in. He doesn't take a day off. He's ready. Okay? Let us pray.